We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 330. Prior to 2022, our guest took a several-year break away from WEF, but returned last year and had some awesome success. He's a regular Team Great Britain Nations Cup rider, starting his career in the UK. He then made the move to Europe, where he has been based for over 10 years. He has spent the last few years working with Abdel Saeed and has just spent the winter at WEF in Florida and had multiple top placings, including fourth in a four-star Grand Prix. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Sam Hutton. Hi, Sam. Hi, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm excited to hear a, a little bit more about you and some things that you're working on. You're in Europe right now, correct? Yes, that's correct. I just got back from Madrid. So nice. It's nice to be back home. Amazing. Well, let's get to it. Tell me how you first got started in the equestrian industry. Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I was like six years old and I was like in infant school. And then I went along, did the riding party. I enjoyed it. And then my parents took me back one day riding in a riding school. And then, yeah, it kind of went from there. Then my parents, I was lucky enough, they bought me a pony and started doing pony club and mm-hmm. All those fun kind of from the minute I got on horse. Love it. Um, what made you to decide to go into jumping? Did you like? How did you kind of decide that that was the area that you wanted to pursue? So uh, when I was actually in the pony, they they're very big on like eventing and stuff, and they were trying to get me to go in. That. So I did a little bit of that when I was younger. Yeah. But actually, like with the jumpers, it was so much more fun because you can go fast, and it was more exciting. That's why I decided to take that um, route, actually. What is your opinion on, what would you say is one of the most important skills in riding at the top level of show jumping? What differentiates, um, you know, the best <clears throat> from the rest? And, and how do you kind of develop those skills over time? I think one of the most important things is is uh having a good basic kind of flat work that you you know how to work your horse properly and that you're able to then get different kinds of horses Mm -hmm. um like reacting to how you want because in the ring when you're when you're in like the adrenaline's up from you and your horse and you need to know how to handle that and it isn't always just going straight to your hands. It's like you have to use your seat, your legs, and the horses have to, you have to be able to teach your horses to understand that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, as you think about kind of your personal riding goals, what is one skill that you're kind of, you know, currently working on or, or, or kind of trying to um, improve this year? So, I, I have a lot of younger horses that I produce and bring up to a higher level, to like Grand Prix level. So I'm always working on uh, rideability with them, mm-hmm. uh, that they're polite and that they go in a nice way to make it easy, as easy as possible if the horse was ever for sale or somebody else wants to try the horse. Or when I'm in the ring and I want to 
if I'm clearing the Grand Prix and I, I want to be competitive in the jump off, that my horses can turn around and turn back to a big oxer or a big bull and be um, with me and not having them like really good on the flat really helps mm-hmm. with that. Definitely. You have obviously spent a lot of time um, living, but also, you know, competing and showing in both Europe and the United States. What would you say, in your opinion and experience, are the biggest differences between both places? Uh, the temperature. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very that nice affects in the a winter. Lot, though, huh? <laughs> yeah. In Europe, in the uh, winter, it's not so warm, unfortunately. Uh, no, that's not the only thing. Um, <laughs> so, oh, the biggest difference, okay, the time allowed are very competitive mm. in um, in America. And that always catches me out the first week. I'm always like riding around. I'm like, I really have to think about it and you have to be on it. But it's good because then when, when I come back to Europe, then it makes me, I'm more in that rhythm for the speed like in the Nations Cups and in the yeah. Grand Prix, because, you know, so it's, it's good. I like that. Why do you think that the, why is the time allowed so different between the two? Well, everyone, I don't know if this is the right answer, but everyone always says, like, all the American riders ride very forward, and I, I don't know if that's because they're, they're a lot quicker huh. than us. Um, but American riders in general ride a lot more forward than European riders, I think. And yeah, I, like also, I haven't been to Calgary, um, but I know in Calgary, like every class is really tight on the mm. time allowance as well. So I don't know if it's just a thing over there or. Yeah, could be. Do you have a preference of the locations, like where you like competing more? I love coming over to Wellington in the yeah. winter. It's really nice. Um, the horses love it there. Um, there's all, every week. There's like really good competitions, uh, and you, you really get. It, it's a good way to start the year because you're jumping a very big level. Mm-hmm. You're not cheating yourself. And the horses, if you have a younger one, it's really good to step them up there. Yeah. Okay, like a younger one, meaning like eight, nine, nine, mm-hmm. nine, ten, stepping them up into Grand Prix level, and then you can jump them under the lights and stuff. So it's really good experience for them. What skills do you feel like you've learned as a rider um, doing, you know, a lot of big travel to kind of gain experience in different locations? To try and get some sleep on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Time management. (laughs) No, um, I I think like each ring is different and every show is different to where you go. And like, for instance, if you're on a grass arena, the fences can look a lot more scarier for you the horses if you're not used to it like sometimes the first time you go onto the grass field down in wellington there's a lot to see like the jumps are very impressive so you're always a bit like oh my horse is going to be a bit spooky or and i I think over the years you just develop that kind of trust in your horses and that experience where you know how to deal with that and how to train before so you don't get in any sticky situations or at least try not to uh in the ring Mm-hmm, definitely you have a handful of really talented horses right now tell me a little bit about your current string um so i'm really lucky i have a 13 year old mare called casablanca um she's a bit feisty uh she loves to jump she gets very excited when she's in the ring um i just had her in madrid this weekend and she was fourth in the team round 
Nice. Uh, she was really good there. Um, and she was also really good in Mexico as well in the team round. Um, and then I have a 12-year-old stallion called Leif. I just got him back. I did my first, second show actually now, but my first big show with him in Madrid. And he jumped very good in the Grand Prix. It was a very tough Grand Prix. There was only one clear. And the time was also very tight in that as well. So I was really happy to get him back up to that level now. And and he feels really good. So I'm excited for what's to come with him. And then I have a very good nine-year-old, which I actually had in Wellington. Um, And she finished the tour there doing the night class, the 150 under lights. So uh, I'm excited to step her up again throughout the summer. It gave me a good base with her. Uh, being in Wellington and being consistent and being able to spend a lot of time with her yeah so they're really excited and I have a couple of other ones some younger ones and stuff oh, and also Verona uh, she, in Mexico she was clearing to 150 classes mm-hmm. I had her also in Wellington in the Nations Cup and stuff so I'm really excited to have those horses that are ready to go at that level yeah definitely I mean competing so often and at the highest level definitely requires meticulous planning and care of your horses, really being able to kind of um, nail down the the proper timing and downtime and, and fitness coming back up to, you know, prepare for a show. So what are some things that you do to help your horses recover from competition, stay healthy, and then kind of gear up for the next competition? So I always really try and make a good plan that my horses are not over jumping and jumping enough that they're in the rhythm and fit mm-hmm. and ready for the next competition to do their best possible. So um, that, that, that's quite a hard thing to juggle because there's so many shows and yeah. you have a lot of pressure to get to the shows. And when you get into an extra show, which is really a big one, then it can sometimes throw your planning a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm really lucky also because um, at Abdul's, we have uh, home do dressage with them. And uh, we also have a lady there that can jump them. And so mm. they're always kept a little bit in rhythm and right. ready to go. Otherwise, it's very difficult to keep the horses not too fresh, fit enough, and like keeping everything a good balance. Definitely. So I'm very lucky, actually. Let's take a minute and talk a little bit about tack cleaning, because it's not just about having clean tack, right? It's also about the health and well-being of your horse that comes in contact with your tack, and having beautiful healthy tack that really lasts for a lifetime, because our tack is always quite an investment. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Sterling Essentials, because it's one of my favorite tack cleaning products. It's premium all-natural essential oil, powered leather cleaner, and leather conditioner. And what I really love about it is that there are zero toxins or harsh chemicals, um, counterproductive ingredients, um, so it's just like a really, really great purely vegetarian product. Um, Beeswax, food grade ingredients, plant-based oils, and premium essential oils. So not only does it smell amazing, but you can really enjoy the feel of really clean leather without all the sticky leftover cleaning product residue, soap scum, white film, glycerin, or the slipperiness or oiliness that's often caused by other cleaners and conditioners. So for more information, visit their website at sterling-essentials.com. That's S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-essentials.com. 
and I also have a promo code if you want to give it a try. So use the discount code Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, for 30% off. This does not include bundles and terms apply, so you can see their policies on their website for more information, but I think it's a great opportunity to give some of their products a try. So again, that is sterlingessentials.com. As you've kind of continued to climb in your career and make um, progress and and accomplish your goals, what would you say is some of the best advice you have received from other professionals? Um, To stay very grounded, Hmm. never get too uh, excited because when you get excited and you feel like everything's you're on like a purple patch, we call it in England um you be on the floor the next minute and that has happened yeah. a few times yeah. So, so yeah you always have to be and focused on what you're doing and not get too um into what other people are doing okay it's always good to one you can learn nothing about the big shows and stuff you can really learn from writers mm-hmm. and that's like in wellington you you can watch people like mclean ward kent farrington warming up and how they work their horses and over here you have very good riders also to watch from so it's it's really nice what would you say and you're always in in our sport you're you're always learning yeah there's you can never learn enough like with horses it's always uh a new little idea or just something you can try and yeah that you're always learning Mm -hmm. which is really fun definitely and i know that McLean and Kent would say the same thing. So it's like you've never, it seems like really the more that you learn, the more you realize you don't know and the more that you can learn. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're really passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Like, for instance, traveling from the horses from competition to competition Mm -hmm. when they're flying. it, it actually is it's a lot for the horses and I, I think it's very interesting to see how it's done and the planning and actually the, like the paperwork and all the um yeah basically the planning that goes in behind getting these uh animals around the world is it's insane um but yeah uh it, it's very interesting to see how they do it. i don't know if you've ever seen horses fly as well how they get on the containers it's wild yeah yeah, it's, it's crazy so, yeah. how they do so it. Crazy. But, but actually, after flying the horses, they're actually more relaxed and um, better than traveling the trucks, I find. Because hmm. it's, it's a smoother ride for them. Okay, it's a long time from loading to when they're in the plane and offloading, but um, it's, it's definitely less bumpy for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When Do you remember the first time that you experienced international travel with horses and like what program were you in were you you know with a team who had done it a bunch of times before how did you kind of develop the skill set to seamlessly be able to travel internationally uh the first time is actually oh that must have been 2016 or 17 i um got into a show in dubai and um the horses flew out there for one weekend to a five-star show, the Nations Cup show. So I was very excited, never flown with the horses or anything. Um, and I'd never also been to Dubai. So that was a great experience. Yeah. But it was very stressful because, like, if you don't have all the paperwork 
the right documents, everything signed, stamped by the vets, then the horses can't fly. So I was very stressed until the horses had taken off. But um, it was everything was went well. So and we had a good show as well. So it was even better. Mm, that's awesome. And you said you were just there for a weekend. Yeah, yeah. The, the horses arrived on Monday, and then we were showing from like Thursday till Sunday. Wow. Yeah. Um. How do you kind of determine when you want the horses to arrive if they are having to take a plane ride? Um. In order to kind of get settled. Normally, we don't actually have the choice. Well, like for instance, that show, there's a charter plane, mm-hmm. and the horses are simply when that plane is leaving. Um, so, for instance, when we're flying the horses to Wellington or Dubai for the season, uh, we can pick. So they'll have set flight times and days and stuff, and we can pick which flight we want the horses on. So it's more a decision from us. So, uh, like our horses arrived in Wellington two weeks before they were actually showing. Yeah, nice. So they got a, a lot of time to settle in. And obviously the mares had to do uh, 14 days in quarantine. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so interesting, I think, for for a lot of people who um, are part of the horse world that haven't had the experience of flying their horses. It can seem like a very, you know, like, daunting task with with everything that you you know have to have and prepare and have you know like you're referring to like having things signed and and have everything in order but um it seems like once you it's one of those things that like once you experience it and if you have someone that can kind who has done it before that can kind of um you know help you through what you need um then it becomes you can kind of make it a seamless process for all the all the international travel you have to do Unless they change, because a lot of the time they change the requirements. Yeah. So you have to do a lot of reading as well, each each competition. Of course. Um, So it it also depends where you're flying, because, for instance, if you're going to America, you need all different kinds of blood samples, um, Mm. and they all have to come back negative before they can fly. So that's also very stressful as well. uh, But most horses are negative to all these things. Right. Got it. Yeah, um, Yeah, it's a lot of homework that has to be done before you get to the point of getting the green light to get them on the plane mm-hmm, definitely um yeah that's so that's so interesting well sam thank you so much for taking the time and sharing a bit of your story i think it's you know super exciting to continue to watch your journey and and your string and so we'll we'll watch you um as the rest of your you know season of 2023 closes out but i wish you all the best thank you very much All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.